0: Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that looks at the overlooked pieces of film, work, and the behind-the-scenes technical stuff that you love to know about. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And this week, we're going to make one last appeal uh, for help with the Nerd Party legal claim uh, that we have to take care of. As you know, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, we got hit with a legal claim, and the uh, it, they basically positioned it in such a way where... Settling with them since we don't have business insurance makes more sense than trying to take them to court because we wouldn't be able to afford it. Uh, If you want to learn more about this, go to GoFundMe.com slash The Nerd Party, and there's information there about the situation that we're in. And if you can spare a dollar or two, none of this goes to operating expenses at all for The Nerd Party. This is all specifically to do with this one difficult situation that we find ourselves in. So. To everybody who has supported us, we thank you very much, and if you can support us uh, and you haven't had a chance yet, again, gofundme.com slash thenerdparty, and we would very much appreciate it. Thank you. So this week, we find ourselves uh, with some interesting news uh, about Star Trek again, actually,
0: Yeah, a lot of Star Trek news. To be honest, it was like kind of an explosion over a couple days. You know, first they announced that um, filming, if you want to call it that, digital digital capturing, (laughs) as I like to refer to it, (laughs) on the new season of Discovery has begun with uh, Alex Kurtzman directing the pilot, and they showed like a lot of like stills of like the new. Um, Enterprise uniforms and everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what did you think about those?
1: I think they look great i haven't had a single problem with the the art direction of the series yeah. I, I think I think they are doing a very smart thing where they're updating and they're paying tribute heavy tribute to what has come before without feeling beholden to it mm-hmm. uh, and I th- you know the Kelvin verse did an interesting move with it. Uh, and the way that they had those costumes, I thought were very was you know very interesting. I, they looked very cool, but I like the way these look as well. Like this, this is the type of thing. Like the design stuff is keeping me hooked on Discovery because you know I was lukewarm on the first season, but some of this design stuff is pretty exciting. I, I take it you liked it as well.
0: Yeah, I really love how like the textures and everything, uh, and the materials and stuff, and like the sort of like patterns of the materials are basically the same as. The Discovery uniforms. It's just the colors and everything are designed to match the original yeah. series. So that, that I thought it was really cool. Um, and, you know, we found out that Jonathan Frakes is directing episode two, which they're shooting right now as we speak. So that's cool. And, yeah. um, you know, then the next day, uh, the CinemaCon was going on in Vegas, which is the National Association of Theater owners convention and, and the studios trot out their product you know and paramount came out and you know from what i understand they didn't really have a whole lot of stuff to show so they were like kind of like padding it out so like they brought out like christopher mcquary and they're like here's how we shot this scene from previs to you know final effects or something like that you know like that kind of thing but one of the things which the head of the studio just kind of casually dropped uh in his in his little speech was that um not one but two Star Trek movies are currently in development and this does line up with some stuff that you know we've been hearing from like Zachary Quinto and stuff like that recently and in fact you know the Tarantino movie is still being developed But there's a second movie, which is also being developed, which is the the one with Chris Hemsworth, um, which is being written by, you know, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. And it is going to be directed by, as we found out the following day, S.J. Clarkson, who has directed. She's done like basically all TV stuff up till now. But like high profile tv stuff. I mean, right. she's directed for pretty much every show whether it's House or Bates Motel or Dexter or whatever, Heroes. But um she also um did a lot of episodes of the original British Life on Mars show, which I know people really like.
1: Oh, yeah, I haven't seen uh that show, but I know even the um even the American adaptation which only lasted like a season or something yeah. like was really beloved. Uh, for the time that it was going, that, that, that's one of those ones that's always
0: eternally on the, oh, I should check that out list. Right, right. And and more recently, she directed the first two episodes of two of the Marvel Netflix shows, um, Jessica Jones and uh, The Defenders. So, uh, I mean... I don't know. I I love Jessica Jones, and I love the look of that show. And, and in particular, I think the like the first episode is the best episode. And I mean, it just knocked my socks off when I saw that.
1: I uh, yeah. I really enjoyed the pilot. I never got a chance to watch the show, um, as happens sometimes. Uh, but it, it wasn't due to lack of interest. It's just you know inertia and everything like that. But I remember. Thinking about, I, I really actually, the thing that really stuck with me was I I really liked the the look and the the pacing. But what really stuck with me was what the way the the ending of the pilot was handled. I thought it was really well done, and like the just just the choices of how things came together. I thought was really uh, really interesting. I've always meant to go back and watch it, but I was I guess one of the I I don't know what people thought of the defenders. I don't pay attention anymore. Really, I think
0: they pretty much thought, like, okay, we've waited forever for you guys to get you know this all together, and finally, you know, you've all been building up to this, but it took you forever because you did two seasons of Daredevil, and then Iron Fist was just a mess. And then by the time Defenders comes out, everyone was kind of like, We've waited so long that we've lost interest, but now that it's here, let's see what you got. And then when they watched it, they were like, that's it? Okay, can we just not do this whole Defenders thing anymore and just go back to doing individual seasons of all these shows that we actually like except for Iron Fist? That's kind of the reaction to that show.
1: Well, I personally liked The Defenders. Uh, it's not the best show I've ever watched in my life, but I, I enjoyed it. And I, I liked the pilot. and I, It's not pilot, first episode. I liked The Defenders. I, it was fine. It wasn't particularly memorable. I mean, I don't like what they've done with all of those shows with like Madame Gow. I think they've reduced her menace uh, over time, which I always think is. It's almost like they took um, they took the Emperor and turned him just into, I don't know, I, they they took her a little too, too hands on, I guess. I like for me, Madame Gow was always like, a terrifying character, because, she, you know, she showed up rarely, and when she showed up, it was like, uh-oh. Like, if she's here, that's terrible. Uh, I don't but, think I've
0: encountered her yet, but... Yeah. yeah. No, you
1: have. Um, Madam Gao is the one that, if you go back to Daredevil, she's been in, like, everything, um, but she's the uh, the Asian woman who's kind of short, walks with a cane. She's almost like evil Yoda. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. Because, like, yeah. she can really you know kick butt and everything like that you know she's like walk with a cane walk with a cane and then like kill everybody sort of thing so yeah yeah um, okay i just i yeah
0: yeah yeah no so i have seen that i'm because i'm i'm going through it methodically which is why i haven't watched season two of jessica jones yet but i've got one episode left in daredevil season two and then i get to move on to luke cage
1: uh, I did. I didn't finish Luke Cage. I, you know, things get busy. I got halfway through that series, and that was. But that was really good. I I, I yeah. got to go back. I got to I got to restart it. But season two of Daredevil will always have a special place in my heart because I love the Punisher so much. So incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the most I've ever liked Punisher. Oh, he's so. good. I thought he's. fine. I've never been a Punisher oh, fan. He's so good, man. But he's I mean, so good. I. I I, I thought he was good in this. I don't necessarily know how a his own series is going to work.
1: I can tell you that a hundred percent of me loved his series. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and actually, you know, I have several friends who watched it and they really enjoyed it as well. Uh, okay. I, I thought it. I thought it was a very interesting, very intelligent. Much more intelligent uh, treatment of the character than I expected. Like, Punisher really easily slips into that whole, you know, punch every problem away sort of thing. But they actually, and and Bernthal, I think, gave a heck, he gives a heck of
0: a performance. He's the guy that brings it alive, for sure. he's good. He's good, for sure. I mean, I'll definitely watch it, but, you know, working my way there, so. I know, I know. Yeah. But I mean, th- this is exciting news. I mean, I mean, the thing that they keep on saying is like, oh, "It's the first you know woman ever to direct you know Star Trek." That's not true. It's but it is like only like the ninth or tenth or something, which is insane. Um, and it's the first woman to direct a Star Trek movie. Yeah. So that's really cool. And apparently, there was like a conscious effort on the part of J. J. Abrams and the studio to uh, bring in a woman to direct this movie which is cool. So yeah. I I I think that's very cool too. I I
1: always I'm always curious as to what it is that specifically uh, like is there anything about a woman directing Star Trek? I mean, in, in a sense Star Trek the films at least have always kind of functioned like TV does, which is the director can put their spin on it i mean it's almost like a marvel movie the director can mm-hmm. put their spin on it but there's a template that they work with and what yeah. i think the you know the the really great directors uh you know i'll give it to the Russos. i think they're i think they're a terrific team but also um you know like kugler you see somebody like kugler comes in and and has to direct a marvel movie it's like he does something with that template that's memorable so i'll be very Interested to see what she does with it to make it that way because you know we've got I
0: mean the script has been floating around since before Beyond hasn't it? Well, that's that's the question. Uh, you know, there there are, there are people who are speculating because we know that like basically the the original plot of Beyond back when Orsi was directing it and co-writing with Payne and McKay was basically um, something happens or whatever and. You know, it's 50th anniversary, whatever. And Kirk and Spock meet their future selves, played by William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. So the thinking now is that that premise has been altered so that instead of meeting their future selves, you know, Kirk is going to come face-to-face with his dad. You know, basically take that idea and rewrite it. No one knows for sure. It's possible that this is a completely new idea that has nothing to do with the other one. I honestly don't know which. I'm super curious to find out. Yeah. But Chris Hemsworth will be in it. He's signed on. And uh, Payne and McKay are writing it uh, for sure. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely see what you're saying and I can see, especially since this is the fourth movie in the franchise and Abrams is still producing and everything, I can definitely see how this could be sort of a director for hire scenario in that television sense. And, you know, I guess in in that regard, it makes sense to get someone who's a television director to come in and, and do it, right?
1: Well, I mean, just like Harv Bennett was a television producer and it made sense for him to step in. Uh, to provide some direction, you know, from Star Trek Two onward, but I, I mean, I'm immediately interested in it because you know, the, I, I, I'm not the only person that makes this joke, but you know, every time somebody asks me, oh, what do you expect from the new J.J. Abrams movie? I'm like, well, a lot of running, yeah, and and stuff, and Justin Lin is is not shy about the action, so I wonder if maybe. Yeah, I mean, based just on you know the work that she did with like Jessica Jones, could this be the the more mature, measured Star Trek film? You know, the the one that slows down and takes a breath instead of since '09 it's been nonstop running. Is this one yeah. going to slow it down and and let us just sort of spend time with the character? And the thing is, that's not a knock against Beyond. You know, we're both Justin Lin fans, and I thought Beyond was was a fine movie. I, I yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but it's one of those things where. I, 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 w- I am legitimately interested to see her sensibilities at play. I think she does bring something different to the table. So. Yeah,
0: it, w- it will definitely be interesting to see. And you know, um, it, it it's one of the things which which JJ has said. You know, which I mean, who knows if this is whatever, but he's <laughs> like, well, this is the best script that we've had so far out of all the movies. So this should be the best movie. He, so. Okay, look, he says about every
1: movie that he's producing, he always says, this is the best script I've ever seen. Well, what did okay. you think of The Last Jedi? It's the best script I've ever seen. I wish i directed it. What, what do you think about this next Star Trek movie? It's the best script I've ever seen. What do you think about Into Darkness? It's the best script that doesn't have Khan involved in it at all, I promise. You know, I, he's a great marketer. He's a great marketer is what I'm saying. Okay. So, it could right. very well be the best script that he's seen with Star Trek. it's. I'm not discounting that. Yeah. I'm just saying that he has a tendency to
0: use the superlatives pretty freely. So, Okay. You know,
1: All yeah, right. Just saying.
0: So yeah, that's exciting. The other little bit that came out in there was that uh, the Tarantino movie is going to set up or take place in an alternate timeline. So excited by that, because <laughs> think about it. You know what impulse
1: he he must be exercising with it is and and you're the one that that raised this during one of our our many conversations through the years. But his original impulse when he wanted to do Bond was he wanted to do a casino royale and go back to the past and set it in the appropriate time period. Right. I'm willing to bet it's that same impulse here where he's like I want to direct a Star Trek movie but I want to direct the Star Trek that I you know like I want to do me doing a Star Trek movie as if I time traveled back to then, which right. I think would be real. W- I, I mean, honestly, it would really screw with my head if he did like a next generation movie. Like if they pull the, if they the pull the curtain back and like, ha ha, it's Picard,
0: not Kirk. It's like, ah, like well, my the, head would I mean, explode. And that did, there was that po- podcast that he did with Nerdist or whatever. You yeah. Know? Where they asked him, like, would you want to do a Star Wars movie or whatever? And he's like, no, I've always been more of a Star Trek fan. And he's like, you could take an episode of the original show and adapt it and make it two hours. And he's like, the one that everyone goes to would be sitting on the edge of forever. But, you know, another really, really good one was yesterday's Enterprise. So maybe that's it. Maybe yesterday's Enterprise. Um, I mean, but you just got me thinking that I had not thought about that until, you know you brought up the the casino royale thing what if and this is just me whatever but what if it he he does what we were talking about you know with like the halloween movies or whatever and what what seems to be the new thing what if he makes his star trek 3 Oh, sequel to oh, Wrath of Khan oh, oh. that doesn't involve any like Spock resurrection BS or any of that other crap. That would be amazing. Uh, that would be so incredibly amazing. <laughs> I would love that
1: so much. I'd love to see I'd love to see that because his Star Trek 3, like, does he still use Klingons? Because we've seen Klingon Klingons, we've seen Klingons through time, we've seen uh you know Kelvin vs. Klingon's Tarantino Klingons. You you want a bloodthirsty alien species, I mean, he's, you know, that that would be no joke. And I could see him having a thing for uh, the way the Klingons
0: were, were presented in 3 and, like, wanting to, to embrace that. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, like, basically he ignores 3 and makes a proper sequel to 2, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. I, I, exactly. Yeah, that could be amazing. Oh, man. Have Kirk go back and he's got Carol Marcus. And it's it's and... R-rated and everything. Uh, and... Yes. <laughs> I could I could definitely see that working because we know that he thinks like Wrath of Khan is one of the best movies ever made. He said that.
1: So where would Sam Jackson show up in his
0: uh, Star like, Trek Three? He could be anywhere, right? He could be yeah. any. He could be the villain, right? He could be,
1: but I'd be willing to bet that he's going to be somebody. He's going to be the admiral or something like that. Yeah, the guy that that Kirk would have to overcome. Yeah. Oh man, wouldn't that be so great? That's a great thought that is a great thought because well and actually that would also explain because what other idea could somebody have that would make you know abrams in the studio say oh oh wow that's amazing yes we want to do that i mean what an incredible spin on things now i'm thinking down that that line and i'm like that that's an amazing thought because really you have everywhere to go after star trek 2 if you ignore the stuff that comes afterward Mm -hmm. there are like a billion different directions you could go. Yeah. That's really interesting. Hmm. I like that.
0: We will have to think about that. Yes, huh. we will. Yes. Yes, we will. I mean, huh. sh- shoot. They could do yesterday's Enterprise only with that, where they have to go back in time. You know, like the timeline is altered, and now Spock is alive. Right?
1: Oh, Yeah. Oh, so he'll have okay if it's in an alternate timeline, then he's not obligated to use the cast from the Kelvin verse no. no, he can recast it himself for whatever right. yeah, oh that's interesting that's that that would be very- that would be so disappointing though. can you imagine how disappointing that would be if you're uh you know Zachary Quinto or anybody else uh, you know it's like oh my gosh Quentin tarantino's in in He's involved in a Star Trek movie, and I am a Star Trek character. Oh, it's an alternate timeline. We're re- we're
0: recasting everybody, Uh-oh. and one of them said that they all got emails or something like that from JJ saying, "Like, guess who stopped by the office today to pitch a Star Trek idea?" You know, so I don't know. It's weird. It's it's definitely it's definitely got me excited. You know. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they are, you know, after so many years of neglecting the franchise and everything, now they're like, we've got two ideas that we like. And, you know, Carl Urban said, he's like, I expect that we will start shooting by the end of the year. So we could very well get this movie maybe in fall of, of next year or something, you know? I mean, we could yeah. get this movie in 2019. It's quite possible. So wait a minute, though, because if we're, because I'm trying the, to work the, this. The, yeah. I'm sorry, the the Clarkson movie would shoot next year. So here's,
1: here's the question, right? Yeah. And I think I think we've talked about this before. I know that there was talk when Discovery was coming out that there was some agreement between Paramount and CBS where one had to give six months leeway to the other or something like that do you think that's still in effect or do you think that was no. never actually
0: the case i i think it's over with at this point okay um i think it was like at six months after like the third movie or something like that but now i think they can both coexist and whatever you know but i mean one interesting thing that we we have learned which is very strange and i don't know if this goes the other way too but apparently because of the whole split or whatever the TV shows are not allowed to use any characters from the movies. So you can't have Carol Marcus on the show. You can't have General Chang on the show, which I always thought would be really cool, you know? You know,
1: that, well, yeah, because, I I mean, imagine doing something where it's like Chang and Kirk fight, but they never see each other, or, you know, it's it's like a balance of terror sort of thing, and then... And then, so Star Trek six it's like, I have so wanted to meet you. Like, it's, you know, it's a leftover sort of mm-hmm. uh, thing. Uh, but we'd have to get to the point where we have uh, Kirk in it anyway. But, I mean, no. See, the thing is, I, I would have a, uh, I'd have too much of an impulse to have Carol Marcus in it and just never name her. Have her, like, walk up and, like, say something or do something. And, and some character would be like, what was her name again? You know, just like that sort of yeah. thing. But I guess that would be. That's my cheap humor sort of thing. I mean,
0: thing. you'd have to have Kirk in there, too. I mean, the, the thing that I could see it impacting in some ways would be if this Khan show that, you know, Nicholas Meyer has supposedly been working on actually happens. It's like, because you figure all the characters that he created for Wrath of Khan, he can't use, right? So, mm. well, I like Carol Marcus, but, but not yeah. that you would, but then you, you could say, okay, well, how many, I mean... Marlo MacGyvers and Khan—they're from the show. It's like we saw other guys, you know, but we can't see like his maybe son or whatever, you know. I'm mean, How does that work? I don't know.
1: Well, his his son had the same name as his right hand man from Space Seed. So did he? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So well, I I, I always know. figured he was just named after him, sort of thing. Yeah,
0: well, a lot of people so, don't. It's like, is it his son? Is it just a guy? You know, I think it's his son. It, it's been that's, debated that a, forever. Really? I think there's like some script. We'll have to ask John Tenuto about this, but there's a whole thing about like in some scripts it's mentioned that he's this guy, but we think that when they were shooting, they meant for it to be this. And it's one of those things where it's ambiguous, and you know,
1: I always just took it at that it's his son, and that's why because that's the whole parallel with. Kirk and his son, and Khan and his son.
0: I mean, that, maybe, like, there's a whole yeah.
1: parallel through the whole film. Yeah, I, I figured that—that that was just a thing. So I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting though because we're sitting here talking about Star Trek while we're in the, uh, you know, in, in the sunshine of Star Wars dominating the the conversation of the Star movies and the Marvel movies and stuff like that. So.
0: Well yeah, I mean that was one of the things that came out like on the same day where it's like, What's going on? Is this Christmas? Um the the announcement of the new Star Wars animated series Resistance. Yes. Star Wars
1: Resistance. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, I it took me
0: No, seriously. Seriously? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 what, 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 what? You're like Star Wars The Clone Wars is the best animated series of all time. That's true. And then it's like, okay, well, here's a new Star Wars show from the creator of Star Wars The Clone Wars. I'll give it a shot. Oh, look, (laughs) listen,
1: I'll give it a shot because I approach most everything in the sequel era at this point with a little bit of, you know... I you know what, honestly, it took me time to warm up to Rebels, if you recall. I remember, yeah. Yeah. So I maybe maybe I'm just coming at it and look, man, I know it's not a popular thing to say, but yeah, last Jedi burned me a little bit. And I'm okay. kinda like, you know, I so like it in all honesty, solo is the thing that I'm I'm focused on right now. And the more I learn about that, because like Ron Howard was just on the Star Wars show. Did you see this where he did the? Uh, I watched the Arrested Development thing. It was I thought great. that was very funny. Yeah, they did um, a good job there. <laughs> I have you now. He didn't, um, <laughs> but I, I and kudos to whoever wrote it. You know, because yeah. they, they did a really great job. But the more I learn about the, so I, like I saw, I I finally, I saw uh, Infinity War and so, the solo trailer. It was the first time I saw it on the big screen, and I Big old smile on my face by the end of that. That looks great on the big screen, and yeah. I am I am all in for it. And I, I honestly think that Solo could go a long way toward bringing me back to that old fiery enthusiasm that you expect from me whenever you put the Star can, Wars I'm, moniker on something.
0: I know there's a lot of people who are like, Solo, who wants that? You know, everything, whatever. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get excited about every Star Wars movie no matter what, but I mean... This is, I mean, the thing that I keep on thinking about, like this is a, essentially, like you look at it, it's a prequel to Empire, right? In a lot of ways, from the from the writer of Empire. And the thing that I just noticed like a week ago where I'm just like, how did this take me so long? Because, you know, I mean, like it's one of those things, like Star Wars is so ingrained in, in everything that you, I just think of it as like a thing. You know, the original trilogy especially, I don't, Separated at all. It's impossible, you know, like the Imperial marches from Empire. Okay, you know, whatever. Right. But like the font on the solo posters and everything right. deliberately mimics the font on specifically Empire Strikes Back posters. It's cool. Well, thematically, here's an interesting thing. I was talking about this with Craig. Uh,
1: okay, Rogue One is obviously right before Star Wars, it, mm. it matches yeah. up exactly like that. Solo has to do with the backstory of two characters where we learn about their relationship in Empire. So, so, wait, wait. What are if you the next me standalone is going to have to...
0: It's- it's going to be the thing which I've been asking for since they've done these things. I'm not going to promise the Max Rebo mockumentary. Okay. I'm not going to promise it. Don't see now. Now that's two movies <laughs> which we just came up with here. Which you know, I was, I thought, no, I never even crossed my mind that they would be a thing. And now they're two movies. Which if they don't happen, I'm going to be very upset about. But think about it. In in the sequel area, in the sequel era we have the force
1: awakens then we have rogue one which lines up with star wars then we have the last jedi and solo is going to line up with empire if they go for the trifecta and they actually have the third standalone be like some sort of lead in to return of the jedi in that sense all about it man i mean gosh i'd love it if they just if they did something like rogue one with original characters and they basically did a, a reimagined version of like shadows of the empire and actually set it between empire and jedi. Did you ever read Shadows of the Empire?
0: Um I I played well no, I didn't play the game. I cuz there were so many different things, right? Yeah. So many yeah, and that was one of the cool things. I I read the comic for sure cuz I was like way 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 into comics at that point point. and I got I collected the toys. I think I um, listened to the soundtrack and yeah
1: by joel mcneely
0: yeah and and i think i always wanted to play the game but i didn't have a video game system to do it that seemed like the coolest of all of them and i don't think i ever read the book i
1: did read the book the, yeah. and i revisited the book not so long ago it I, you know it's a star wars book you know mm-hmm. especially from that era but yeah, the movie without a movie was very interesting, and I would think it would be—I mean, I think it would be a coup on their part if, for the longest time, we've had the movie without a movie, and they said, "You know what? Here's a movie."
0: <laughs> Here's a that'd movie. Be, that'd be that'd so be so cool, man. Yeah, that'd be, be cool. all about that. I don't think it's going to happen. I honestly think that um, they're basically going to ignore. I mean, maybe that maybe they'll do the Obi Wan thing. You know, maybe they'll throw that in there or whatever. But I, I kind of think at this point they're going to go the route of like, you know, episode nine ends. And now we're going to start a couple of, you know, individual trilogies. You know, we're going to do the John or not the John Favreau, the uh, the um, David Benioff trilogy. Yeah. And then we're going to do the Ryan Johnson trilogy. And they're both going to just alternate.
1: Do they have or, to be trilogies? Can't, can't we go into something and just plan a movie and then if it's really good and everybody loves it, then plan the next ones? It's Star Wars. It's the way it goes, right? I guess. Hmm. I guess. That, that's the the curse that they've... Th- well, that's all the more reason to have a standalone that ties in with Jedi because then we have a, a thematic trilogy with
0: uh, Rogue mm-hmm. One Solo and uh, Max Rebo. My I agree. story. But see, that's what kind of what I see Resistance as too, right? You've got mm. Clone Wars, which is from the prequel era. Then you've got Rebels, which is from the the original trilogy era. And now you've got Resistance, which is from the sequel era. No,
1: oh, that's a and, good point.
0: And I have to say that I mean that's that's. I think we set. I think that's what I, you know. I was like, it's got to be set. You know, before I, that's it's got to be. I mean, you know, I, I think I said that on like our Rebels recap or whatever it was. But I mean, it's not at all surprising to me that it's set at this time period or anything like that. Um, but it is surprising to me that it is at least appears to be like 2d animation style which i'm all about (laughs) i cannot wait for that i mean and and just sort of like the premise of it being like you know inspired by like you know dog fights and everything like that's always been you know sort of my favorite part of star wars I, i i've Never really cared about the Jedi stuff or the mysticism, not to say that I dislike it or anything, but that's never been the thing. You know, I've I'm always about Han, not Luke, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that sort of thing. So I'm so, so much about resistance. I cannot wait for this show. I, I think it's gonna be awesome. I think it's gonna be, you know, the best of the the three. It might even be better than droids. I don't know.
1: Well, I certainly hope that the efforts to uh, to make resistance have not been futile.
0: Nothing. No, I got Nothing? it. Uh, okay. No, I I got it. I'm just stunned just silence. Uh, that's all I. <laughs> that's all I can muster right now.
1: But, I guess that's <laughs> I, we need the sound of a ship uh, suddenly dropping out of warp. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the alarm klaxons for everything right now? So I had to go for it. You, you got to try something. No, I I, I appreciate yeah.
0: it. you get an A for effort for sure. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I think it's I think it's inevitable too because everybody else in the universe is talking about Infinity War. Mm-hmm. On a grade scale of A to F, where did you fall with Infinity War?
0: I, I think it's a B, for sure. Okay, it's really good. Yeah. I think it's like middle tier Marvel. You know, I, I I I don't think it's as good as the first Avengers, and I don't think it's as good as the other Russo movies. But I, I thought it was really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? I'm, no, I'm pretty much there too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, B. I think is a good is a good grade. Um. Very satisfying. I thought the ending was really ballsy. Uh, mm. I like the fact that they had it, by the way spoilers everybody if you haven't seen infinity war by this point yeah like where have you been living so I don't know <laughs> Brandon um, it hasn't
0: reached Saskatchewan yet
1: you know <laughs> listen based on how uh how hard it was for me to get a ticket uh, on Sunday of its opening weekend like yeah. you know um yeah you know i like the ref, some of the references that they made were i thought very clever and very good like I, I my big fear going into it was that they were going to uh fumble the the idea that you weren't going to be able to plug into it without having seen the other how many is it eighteen mm-hmm. marvel movies leading up to this point but i thought I thought that the writing was really good because they did a really good job of addressing who everybody was and how they pertained to the plot and making it very clear. You could come into this movie cold and know everything that was going on that
0: you needed to know. Um, did yeah. you? Do you agree with that? I guess so. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways it feels like one of these massive crossover events that you would read in comics. Yep. Because, like... I mean, well, like, how I got started. Like, my very first one was Zero Hour, for whatever that's worth. And because of that, it still might be my favorite. Oh, and hey, it basically ends the same way, so there you go. (laughs) Um, Whatever. Anyway, um, and and, and the thing that, like, sort of my approach that I took at, at that point in time, being someone who was in high school and had no money, was, okay, I read Superman, I read Batman, I read Green Lantern, and that's about it, whatever. Whatever it is that I read. So these comics tie into Zero Hour. Now, you've got your Zero Hour checklist, which is basically Mm -hmm. a list of every single DC comic that's coming out for the span of a month. There's no way that I'm going to be able to afford all of those tie-ins, and you know, for the most part, I don't need that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the approach of reading the comics that I read and then reading the main Zero Hour series. Right. And, you know, it, it'll be good enough. Surely there will be scenes where Flash is off doing something and I'll be like, you know, it's like, Flash, what are you doing here? Oh, well, you should read Flash number 42 to find out, you know? And you just go like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so he was off doing something. You know, yeah, and and that's kind of how it felt like going back and forth between all these things. You know, I mean, the advantage in the comics is that you've got entire issues which can expand on these individual scenes, whereas here you don't. But it it really did feel like that in in a lot of ways. You know,
1: yeah, my first uh, the first crossover I can really remember paying attention to was Inferno, the one where Mister Sinister showed up with the X Men. Um, okay, yeah, so yeah Pryor. I, I wasn't
0: a Marvel guy at all.
1: Uh, I was, you know, honestly, I, I always loved, I mean, saying you love Batman, I mean, like just, that's a given. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would read Superman casually, uh, but X-Men, I was all about the X-Men. I See, loved the X-Men so much until Jubilee got introduced,
0: and that is the precise moment that it jumped the shark. I I, I worked in the one comic book shop, I think, where even though X-Men was our biggest seller or whatever... Like, and I've talked about, you know, Josh and Mike at the comic book store many, many times. I'm still friends with Josh. (laughs) And, um, you know, they were older than me and they were very, very judgmental. And you couldn't work there and read an X Men comic because they would just look down on you. Like, why? Why would you do that? You know,
1: well, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, well, I'd have a problem with
0: that then because yeah, that's I mean crazy. They, they did the same thing with like Superman and everything too. I mean, you know, they were reading like Milk and Cheese and Strangers in Paradise and Sandman or whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 they would definitely be like X Men garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah, hipsters. Yeah, hey, comic book hipsters. How yeah. weird is that?
0: You know, they yeah. were in college. They were in their twenties, and you know, whatever. Oh, they, they, they were, were reading they were the Black. They were reading the black and white comics. Yeah, they were reading yeah. the black and white comics. They were going to see Fargo while everyone else was going to see, you know, Batman Forever, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, okay, so
1: with Infinity War, I think it's a really well-structured thing, but the ending has... So I don't, I don't care about spoilers, but I guess we'll be as gentle as we can with things. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of an ending... This is successful enough that if, they, if this were to be, and I know that it's not, but this is well-structured enough that if this were to be the last Avengers movie, the last movie with Avengers in the title, I'm fine. Do you feel the same way?
0: No, not really. I, I don't. Um, is it just because of how it
1: ended? or Because I'm, I'm talking structurally. like it? The ending from a certain perspective sucks because the good guys
0: don't win. Right. But
1: it's still self-contained enough that I consider it an
0: ending. Like it's, it's an, an ending. ending. It is an, an ending, but it doesn't really make any sense from a dramatic standpoint. You know? Like, there isn't any message behind, you know, that... Mm. Inter- That's an interesting point. I and there isn't really any. Way. I mean, it does feel like it's, you know, it's like, oh my God, half the people disappeared. But like, we don't see what life was like. You know, there's no postscript. We don't see what mm-hmm. life was like after the, you know, the, the massacre or whatever it was. We don't, you know, we don't see any of that. So, no. I mean, one of the things which I found to be interesting because, like this, I'm sure I've talked about this a million times before. Like, I'm always fascinated whenever I'm watching a movie of finding who the singular main character is, right? right. And and it's it can be, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, this movie's called Iron Man. Clearly, it's Iron Man, you know, right. This movie's called Captain America Civil War. It's okay, it's still Captain America. Yeah, yeah, you can give it to Captain America. When you get into the Avengers movies, it's trickier because they're ensemble pieces by nature. I would say the first one, I would say it's Nick Fury. And the second one, I would say it's Tony Stark. So In this one, actually
1: one of the things I I it's not really a knock, but one of the things I was kind of left a little ambivalent about or Nonplussed, or whatever
0: word you want to use, is the fact that this really felt like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and a Half. It, it did to some degree, but they were so spread out and everything that I, I, I didn't really. If anything, I, I thought because like it kind of begins and ends with him in a sense, I was almost thinking like this is a Thor movie. But in the mm. end, like the fact that it ended the way it did, I was like, wow, this is pretty you know gutsy of them. But this really is a Thanos movie. Thanos yeah. is the Singular main character in this movie.
1: A very interesting criticism of Thanos uh, and Thanos's reasoning was given to me by a, a friend of mine, a former coworker. I stay in contact with him. Great guy. And always thinks of something from an angle, like I, I love the guy to death because I, he, he thinks of stuff from perspectives that I don't ever consider. And his whole thing was he said if Thanos is so smart that he predicted what was going to happen with his planet because of overpopulation and all of that type of stuff. He said then Thanos should have been smart enough to realize that population is not a, uh, a linear function, but rather a, um, an exponential one. So wiping out half of everybody doesn't buy you any real time, because population explodes exponentially, not linearly, and therefore Thanos, you know, basically is too simplistic in his own thinking of how to handle the problem. And yeah. I thought about it for a second. And I said, I, I, I honestly didn't think of that. But yes, yeah, well, okay. We, I mean, that like, makes if,
0: sense. If, if we just look at it in terms of Earth. Right. Okay, we're at like six billion people now. When was the Earth at three billion people? I'm curious. No, I don't. I don't remember. I
1: I don't think I was there then, um, but I know that. Uh, you know, it all depends on what um, sort of what theories you hold on to, because I remember I, I remember many times where the the population of the Earth was estimated to be much higher than it is. Uh, or it was projected to be much higher than it is at this point, sort of thing, because um, you know there are so many things, wars,
0: disease, and and stuff like that that affects it as well. But well, I, you I, know, just because I looked it up here, you're totally right. Three billion in 1959, so yeah. it's doubled since 1959. Yeah. Okay. So you you bought yourself like half a century. But that's kind which, of terrifying when you think about it. If if it was at three billion in nineteen fifty nine, and here we are at,
1: well, li- listen, I, and, and the thing is, I want to, I want to preface this with saying, I am not one of those guys uh, that goes into a movie and is like, "Well, I read the original comic, and I expect it." Mm-hmm. Obviously, I am not like that. Okay, huge caveats. Did I read Infinity Gauntlet? Of course, I have. I haven't. But,
0: uh, see, oh, I'll say. You know what?
1: I'm going to send it to you through the mail because I have a copy collecting dust on my shelf. I will send it to you. All right, but thanks. one of one of the things I sort of wrestle with is I thought it was very interesting they gave Thanos this sort of you know uh, humanizing element of like I'm doing this because I think this is really the best for everybody and I need to do this and. From one aspect, I'm like, well, number one, you weren't having trouble wiping out half of the population of planets, apparently. But you didn't need these gems. Like, that's really, you You were having a, a fine time of it. Um, but in Infinity Gauntlet, and this is not a, a spoiler or anything, Thanos is basically just nuts. Mm-hmm. He wants He wants to wipe out not half of everybody, but he wants to wipe out everybody. I won't give yeah. away his reason to you. But it's, it's the type of thing where you cannot reason. Like if a guy's like, oh, resource allocation is, is a problem and we need to control the population. I need to wipe out half of everybody to make everything, blah, 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 blah. I, I could sit down at a table with that person, try to hash it out and say like, okay, well, let's come to it. Let's try to figure out what we can do and, and that sort of thing. Thanos in the original Infinity Gauntlet, 0% chance you're talking to him about anything. He does not reason with you. It's like, it's like the Terminator, you know, he can't be reasoned with, and he absolutely will not stop until you're dead, and I, I, I wrestle with the idea is, does Thanos, was Thanos done a disservice in the effort to humanize him, like, could he have been one of the great, terrifying monsters of all time in being, You know, without any sort of emotion. But at the same time, then you rob yourself of one of the best scenes in the film
0: with Mm -hmm. Gamora and the Soul Stone.
1: That's one of the best scenes in the film.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's been so much criticism of Marvel's villain problem, you know, and like villain lacking motivation and everything like that. And, you know, we've, you know, Killmonger, I think, is probably the best, you know, that they've had so far. And, you know, Thanos, at least here, even though you're like, Clearly, we should not kill half the population of the galaxy or the universe or whatever it is. You know, it's like, uh, but he's at least he's got a point in a sense. You know what I mean? Like like there is some sort of motivation there. And in some ways, it's kind of, in a weird way, selfless, you know? And I I mean, I, I think that that's kind of good for a villain generally speaking is to have that sort of motivation so f- to make, just make him like crazy I, you know I, I think no i that's be. a that's an excellent counterpoint
1: it 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 wouldn't work as well cinematically mm-hmm. uh i i can see that argument and i and the thing is again uh, you know what Th- this is the thing to to reference back to to the last jedi it, it kills me that, I feel like I have to preface everything with like I'm fine with what they did. It's perfectly cool. Like you don't it, have to. You I can know just let I don't.
0: People think that you hate it. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, art. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a fair point. That's a yeah, fair point. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's all good. Okay. All
1: right. Thank you. You got me <laughs> to that point. I appreciate that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm caring too much, aren't I? It happens. I mean, what's
0: going to happen? Is someone going to be like? What are you talking about? I mean, what's going to happen? I, do, I, okay, yeah. are, are you saying you saying? Um, no, I really did like it, but is is anyone going to hear anything other than the but? Is any is that going to avoid any argument? Is anyone going to be like, uh, oh, well? I mean, in that case. I think that your point is totally sound. Or are they just gonna be like, You're insane, Mills? What's wrong yeah. with you? Why don't you like the movie? Even if you just said, I like it, but so just stop prefacing it. Just say what you have to say and let people decide for themselves whether or not you like it.
1: And who cares? Yeah, I feel like we have this conversation every so often. <laughs> because I, I just I get to that point where I'm just like, I just don't want I just don't want to have the fight. Like it's I get
0: it's not going to avoid any yeah. fights. Every, you're still yeah. going to have the fights. That's a good point. There's just going to be that's a actually. preface in front of it, which no one's going to pay attention to. That's a really excellent point. I mean, yeah. like if someone came up to me on the street and said, uh, does John like Last Jedi? I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't do. not know how many times you told me, like, I like it. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I do like, though, Mike, is getting in contact with you online. So no. uh, cool. we- so that I can tell you why you're crazy for <laughs> disliking
0: The Last Jedi.
1: Listen, I follow you on Twitter simply because I'm like Khan.
0: And mm-hmm. I sit there and say,
1: he tasks me and I shall have him. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on my website, com, where I do a show called Film Damage, uh, where we talk about uh, movies from the perspective of the booth. We look at things from a, a projectionist point of view. And this week, uh, I believe, if you tune in, we haven't recorded it yet, so ooh, <laughs> you hear that thunder. Um, we haven't recorded it yet. But uh, it, it, I believe we are going to be sort of talking about what it was like uh, ten years ago and fifteen years ago as projectionists running two other Marvel classics, Iron Man and X Two. So, uh, so, so, see, you, you'll get you'll get an interesting perspective of of what it was like, like when because everyone remembers going to see Iron Man, everyone remembers going to see X Two. We are going to tell you what was going on in the booth behind you while you were looking at the screen. So there you go. I can't wait. That's, yeah.
1: That is super cool. Yeah. Oh, that's very, very interesting. I, I, can't, I can't wait. And uh, I will be watching from where I am on Twitter, Castle uh, Junkie, and you can also find me right here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing and out there in the ether co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig So with all of that, thank you for joining us this week, and we'll catch you next time on Great Shot Kid. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.